Lois, hello, hello. Um, so I feel very naughty here because I know that this is probably going to be about 10 minutes long and that is not your length. <laughs> That's not your favorite length. Your favorite length, you're like, oh no, 10 is too long. Five and a half is good. Six. I do deliver normally about five and a half or six, but sometimes I give 10. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think this might be one of those times. Only because I'm walking, I'm walking over to my parents who are both, have got these, um, both ill, uh, not COVID, but they're both ill. And I'm going over to get, do some shopping for them. And when I walk, I like to talk, <laughs> but I'll try and keep it brief. Um, and uh, what I'll do is um, when I send this to you, you of no, you of no phone hood, envy, envy. Uh, if you're in the fourth dimension, as it sounds like you are, you will understand envy. Um, that kind of sense of like, oh, she's probably worked out the best way to do it, right? She's probably the only person in Norwich who hasn't got chronic ADHD like the rest of us from checking their freaking mobile phones too often. Um, <clears throat> So anyway, I'll try not to get carried away by the envy. But what I'll do is I will, uh, I will signpost. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. I will signpost the uh, various parts of um, this thing. And uh, so the first two minutes, I'm just going to signpost that as throat clearing. I might even write that as I'm talking. There we go. Look at this. This is... This is the kind of cool thing about mobile phones is that you can record and write. You can multitask, which, as we know, is not really multitasking because you're actually just switching your attention from one thing to another and scrambling your brain. Ah, oh dear. But you've got it. You've got it sorted, Lois. Uh, you really do sound like you do, um, which only makes me feel slightly more envious, but also um, happy for you. So... The other reason I wanted to send this voice note is because I really like it when people send me poems to so just read them. I mean, don't just read them silently, but read them aloud. Maybe even read them back to you because you hear the poem in your head in a certain way. And sometimes I think it can be kind of nice um, to have poems read to us. Um, if you're in the mood for reading poems to me, go for it. Because um, <laughs> I'm always in the mood for reading and hearing poems. But... Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I wanna, I just wanna quickly read these two uh, and I don't know, say something about them, maybe. Um, which again, feel free to uh, skip forward to the, the juicy stuff, because the juicy stuff I think is kind of, kind of, coming, kind of near, coming near the end. When I say the juicy stuff, I mean maybe the more personal stuff, I don't know. So here we go uh, The Swimming Lesson by Mary Oliver. Feeling the icy kick, the endless waves reaching around my life, I moved my arms and coughed, and in the end saw land. Somebody, I suppose, remembering the medieval maxim, had tossed me in, had, had wanted me to learn to swim. And of course, whenever one starts reading a poem, this is what a dog does. A dog, when I say a dog, my beloved canine pal, Max. Uh, there's something about the intonation of poems, something about the rhythm of it. It just gets his bowels moving, and that's what he's just done. So I'm going to pause here for a moment. 
Right, where were we? Okay. Uh, somebody, I suppose, remembering the medieval maxim, had tossed me in, had wanted me to learn to swim. Ah, oh, yeah, don't you ever get the feeling that that's, that's kind, of, kind of like therapists from their somewhat smug vantage point? I don't know. I don't know um, your experiences of therapy, but my experiences of therapy are mainly doing them with uh, Enneagram 5 types, mental types. Uh, and they're like, yeah, they're just sort of sitting back. They're like, yeah, let's see you swim. <laughs> you need to learn to swim in my water. Okay. Not knowing that none of us who ever came back from that long, lonely fall and frenzied rising ever learned anything at all about swimming, but only how to put off one by one dreams and pity, love and grace, how to survive in any place. Mary Oliver sounding very Enneagram 9 there. Uh, which I think she is, and one of mine, I met a man, oh, sorry, no, that's, <laughs> okay, so this is what happened, when I was reading it, I didn't realize that was the end of the poem, and then I, and, and then I went on and read, and one of mine, I met a man on a date, who told me about how he was trying to honor his wife, who died, suddenly, young of a heart attack, by not erecting a shrine, and instead living his life to the full, it inspired this. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. That's quite meta for Mary Oliver, because I don't really know this poem. I was like, ah. And then I realized actually that, the, no, the Mary Oliver poem had ended there. Um, and this is your poem. Burial. The place where it grows is silent at first. Then the bird song pulls me in. Oh, the music of it all, the whisper of leaf fall. The trickle of moss drinking the tree bark slowly, thickening, a colony of fung fungi threading its way through soil, a love sung quietly in the dark. These days it is a radical act, listening to the quieter sounds. She's a sapling now, birch growing up out of herself, her own remains, cinder dust and bone black rust are the food, the nourishing. How the sockets filled with spill and mulch, the souling earth, the souling earthing suck of down and down to a landfill for a heart stopped. I'll remind them it was a wonderful divine, but never meant to last, nothing can, no headstone, this is not a shrine, our lines are heard only in the breeze. I just needed to walk today, step by step, down that old trodden path of loss, and see in this autumn her leaves turn. She's out there somewhere, full force foraging, gently sending me on my way. Whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're a pretty fucking good poet, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I read that. I was like, whoa, hello. <laughs> hello there. <laughs> that's, that's some very fine, very fine languaging there. Some very, very fine language. Um, yeah, you know, you said that maybe you, you came out as a, a four. Well, you've come out as a four to me. You've come out to the four, into the fourth dimension to me and I thank you for that. This does feel quite a, a four-ish poem. Uh, 
Naranjo, <laughs> I, like to, I like to put the emphasis on the ho, although, he, uh, although it's N-A-R-A-N-J-O, who, um, who is a psychiatrist who wrote this book about the various, um, I suppose, the, the slightly more sort of toxic, shadowy, dysfunctional sides of the ego cages. Um, I mean, he called, he called the force space ego melancholy. Um, and there is something, there is something in us fours, because that's how I identify, that is very drawn to this dark stuff, but also to the beauty of it, to the beauty, to the, the transience of life. Oh, my God. Um, and, and all of that hoo-ha. Um, I'm going to read it a few more times because I don't want to... I, I, I've only read it about three times and I don't want to sort of... I don't want to say... I don't want to talk bollocks about it. I want to, I want to say something meaningful about it. And so I don't feel I have anything meaningful. I feel I just have bollocks on my lips at the, um, this evening, mainly because... <laughs> mainly because I'm walking. Um, not because I have any um, lip deformation or anything. Um, so, your poem, your poem. Hmm. That sounds like it was a, uh, that sounds like it was a, a fun date. Um, but but when I say fun, I I mean it genuinely. Because if you're a four, we you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the we here. Uh, I don't know if you identify with that type, but uh, we get off on that stuff. We really do. There's a um, there's this guy, uh, a psychotherapist in New York, who's who's a four, and um, he has you know. So the fours have three, these three subtypes. Um, sexual self-pres, self-preservation, and social. Um, and he's a sexual four, and he's done. He did this, um, I think, really wonderful, a little video about the three different subtypes of the four. Um, and I very, very much identify with my um, subtype. Um, and I wonder which one you would identify with. Maybe I'll slip that in as a link, but let's see, let's see how long this has taken me. Oh my God, I'm already at 10 minutes. Okay, this is just bullshit. Right, hang on. Uh, okay, I'm getting to the juicy stuff, 11 minutes. You see, this is the problem. There is a, there's a, there's a little a cheeky little part of me that kind of gets a little, a little thrill about kind of almost disobeying. <laughs> you said, I don't like long voice notes. I'm like, I've got to set a short one, and, but now it's long. Although I don't really know what you mean by long. Maybe by long you mean three hours. But I suspect you probably mean something like 10 minutes. Because um, usually what people mean when they... But you do know you can play them at double speed if you've got a smartphone and WhatsApp, which you don't. But, hmm, okay. But you're cool because... <laughs> because I've given you the, I've given you the signposting. And, and we're now at the juicy stuff. Uh, you see it, and now, ah, oh, that was throat clearing for the juicy stuff, because this is not actually the juicy stuff, this is throat clearing for the juicy stuff. Let me just make a note of that. Okay, we're finally there, 12 minutes. And hopefully, if you really are someone who prefers like a one minute voice note, you've just, you've just jumped ahead. 
to the 12 minutes, to the juicy stuff, straight away, straight in there, which would also maybe be a giveaway of your type, uh, your subtype, if you are a four. Um, uh, because if you're going for the, like, the juice, if you're going for the juicy stuff, you're like, yeah, yeah, all that blah, 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 blah. I want the juicy stuff. I want, give me the juice. That is, that is a particular type of four. Uh, that is an SX4. So if you're that person, anyway, this is for you. Um, so the juicy stuff. What do I mean with the juicy stuff? Well, it's the sort of stuff that, I suppose it's the, it's the meaningful stuff. Well, it's meaningful to me because the one thing that I was going to kind of put in my messages and I was like, ah, oh, should I say this? It seems a bit weird to put this in some kind of initial to and fro, but you know, one thing that your message got me thinking about and this, it got me thinking about a period in my life, it was about four years in which I, um, I did this project, this kind of creative project and, and that's how I saw it. Um, <laughs> I, I really did. I mean, I realized that for other people, or at least this is what it appeared when people gave their reasons for doing this thing that I did as well. Um, it wasn't like for a creative project. It was, it was more altruistic. But um, it fe- looking back on it, it feels like a very for project because it had very, it wasn't, yeah, there was something like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this my way. And, and, and there's still some altruism here. There's still some good stuff. There's some good heart. There's some good heart stuff here. But, but in a way, it's, it's, it's a somewhat selfish project, perhaps. Or it's a... I don't know. And, and basically what the project was, was that I was a sperm donor uh, for London Sperm Bank. Um, and I mainly did it... I say consciously, but unconsciously I realized this is obviously also bollocks. I mainly did it because I wanted to write this book about fatherhood and I don't know a kind of a sort of a, a sort of a slightly memoiry piece about daddy issues for want of a better word and also about my own relationship with child bearing um, and I really enjoyed the project and I was intending it probably wasn't four years, it was probably more like two years. Um, and I was intending to... I was intending to... Um, anyway, it was cut off when I, was four, when I turned 42 because that's the cut-off point. That's the sort of somewhat arbitrary cut-off point um, where they stop, they stop milking you because, I don't know, science tells us, right, that, uh, you know, your, which is true, probably, on average, that your sperm is not as... Um, vital <laughs> when you are, uh, I don't know, for men uh, age 42 and above. Um, but uh, there's something about you, you talking about your journey that you're on with regard to all of this um, that really got me thinking about this because the other weird thing is, is that, a f- you know, years have passed and you are allowed to phone up and find out if you have your sperm has in any way sired any offspring and I've yet to do that and in a strange way I, I don't really understand this because I am super curious to find out and, and, and I think and I've realized recently that part of it is I actually don't want to find out that nobody wanted it 
nobody wanted my junk. Um, and that, because there was this sort of fantasy that I had, right, where in, I don't know, 10 years time or whenever, Max, um, someone would ring on my doorbell and there would be an 18-year-old of some description who had my DNA in them. And, 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 and that kind of thrills me. That doesn't in any way turn me off. Uh, my, all my stuff around child rearing and bearing is, is not to do with, yeah, it's not to do with being there for particularly a more adult creature who sees some paternity in you. Um, it's other stuff. But I don't know. I, I, I was very curious. I guess I was just very curious about your process. And also because of the um, slightly deviant way that I think. Um, I'm not sure if deviant is the right word, but let's go with it. Uh, I was sort of, I, want, I was like, I, was, I thought to myself, oh, that's, that's been quite upfront and maybe quite four of you to put it out there, right, on um, natural awakenings. Uh, because I would imagine that there would be a fair number of guys, I don't know, maybe on more traditional dating sites, maybe not on natural awakenings because everyone there is incredibly enlightened and, you know, floating on clouds. But I would imagine there would be a fair amount of guys. If you were to write that on a normal dating site uh, or something like OkCupid, okay you would be just inundated with men sort of saying, I'll come and, I'll come and do, the, do, do the deal for you. I'll come and, um, yeah, I'll come and knock you up. You know, you're very attractive. You are. And I'll come and, you know, it will be my pleasure. Uh, and, you know, when I was doing this project, it just really, it also showed me just the, the craziness, the absurdity of it all, right? You know, I mean, my stupid sperm was, was, was being sold on Harley Street, um, you know, for a thousand grand a teaspoon. Um, <laughs> uh, why? And... And, there, and, and I was, you know, I read about and listened to various documentaries and stuff about quite a lot of predatory men who and maybe kind of, I don't know, I suppose we would use the N-word for these men, um, as I like to say, the N-word for the, the N-word, narcissistic men, who just love the idea of there being just hundreds and hundreds of their, of, 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 of little mini-me's um, crawling, uh, crawling over the surface of the planet. And uh, I, I found myself sort of repulsed and also fascinated by all of that. And I guess I just wanted to ask you where you were with all of that stuff. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe if, if you're in the, still in the mood for writing me a letter, I would love that. Uh, I, don't th I can't remember the last time I actually received a letter. There's a certain letter I've been waiting for for about 15 months, but it's never going to arrive. Um, <laughs> but I can't remember the last time I received a letter that, I don't know, spoke to me in some way. So if you are going to write me a letter, far be it from me to dictate what you're going to write about. But I would love to know a bit about that uh, process. I, I, you know, the, the phrase that came to mind when I, just before I st started recording this now extravagantly long piece of windbaggery was um, 
was kind of like, oh, I would love Lois to write me a letter about her womb. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous now that I say it, but that was genuinely the thought that popped into my mind. It was like, tell me about your womb. What is it? What is it about this womb? Because I do find it fascinating as somebody who, I don't know, as I grow older, I, I like the idea of having children, particularly grown-up children. But the thought of having dependence in that way is kind of a little bit scary for me. Um, I guess. Not scary, but it's... Um, yeah, well, it's all my daddy issues, you know. If, you, if you've never had fathers who are able to really do that, do particularly at any kind of emotionally integrated way, well, I don't know. I'm not even, you know, I don't, I don't know if, they, I, if, if I would have that capacity in me, even though I'm, I'm not the personality types of both my fathers. One of my father, my biological father is an eight and my stepfather is a five. So I guess I would do it slightly differently. But anyway, so that's my blather. Um, and if that doesn't sound too peculiar, I would love in your letter were you to one day write it to me. And uh, hey, you could, no rush, you could write it in six months time. It's going to arrive long, long before the letter that I've been <laughs> in a very fourish way, pining, yearning, hoping will one day arrive, which is never going to arrive. Um, not from my father, from, uh, from my last partner. Uh, um, so I'm looking forward to receiving yours. I would love to read some poems. Have you read, have you written, have you written poems about this? Have you written poems about about this desire, this desire to have children, what it means to you? And I don't know. I just I just find all of this fascinating, and I would it would be very meaningful to me if you were to write in a sincere and authentic way, which perhaps as a four you are very well suited to doing um, about this subject um, yeah I think that's all I have to report on this uh, on this fair evening ciao well this looks like it you guys know what it's like out there it's like they told us in training school it's an ovum I'm scared I don't want to go this is what all this training was for yeah, but who knows what it's going to be like out there? You saw slides in class? Yeah, but you hear these strange stories, you know, like, like there's this pill these women take, or, or sometimes the guys will slam their heads up against a wall of hard rubber. Oh, that's nonsense. Here, uh, what if it's a homosexual encounter? Look, this is no time to doubt our mission. You took an oath when you entered sperm training school to fertilize an ovum or die trying. No, I'm scared. I don't want to go out there. Prepare to stroke her thighs. We're on the thighs and stroking. Attention mouth. Attention mouth. Please blow in her ear. Erection is at 45 degrees and holding fast. Readjust mouth. We're missing her ear and blowing into her nose. Attempt penetration. Baby!
is mission control. Penetrate. We can't. It's no use. Hold tight, men. We're losing it. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? found him tampering with machinery in the cerebral cortex, turning up the guilt reflex. That's a lie. I never touched anything. Why, sir. I work in the conscience room. We found the conscience tied to a chair. He'd knocked him out. Is this true? What if it is? Don't you think you should be ashamed of this? Sexual relations between unmarried people? Take an innocent woman and assault her in a brutal, sadistic, ungodlike manner is blasphemy. Lock him up. Uh, Sabotage is over. Blasphemy! It's blasphemy! Full steam ahead. <sighs> Here we go again. I'm not going out there. I'm not going to get shot out of that thing. What if he's masturbating? I'm liable to wind up on the ceiling. No. Get a grip on yourself. That was, that was, it's dark out there. Oh, oh. Shh, shh. Do my parents for dinner.